Sound Pages is a literary series featuring resident artists in the Jack Straw Writers Program. How positive we were that things would be okay when the bees froze on the petal, but the sun rose in violet and defrosted those parts we never wanted but never forgot. This program features the work of 2018 writer Danielle Barrow. She spoke with curator Damon Arundel about her work. Danielle, if you wouldn't mind starting with just describing your project. Yeah, so right now I'm kind of in between figuring out what I'm doing with my writing. I think I'm kind of in that same place in my life as well, so mm-hmm. it's taking it's taking an interesting turn. Uh, right now what I'm working on is kind of like a, a mini chat book that I really want to focus on connecting with my body in terms of being queer. I've always identified as a woman. That's always been something that's been very important to me, but I don't think that I've ever really placed myself inside my body. Mm. And so this new chapter of my life in, in my 30s, I think, is me really rooting myself in the body. And I think that a lot of the writing that I'm doing is taking that visceral turn. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it's working. Some of it is just kind of cleansing my own soul. And so mm. in some ways it's working in a different way. So mm-hmm. seeing kind of where it takes me and I'm allowing myself to live in that. Usually as a New Yorker, I make quick turns and I'm like mm-hmm. jumping from one ship to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the first time that I'm really allowing myself to kind of sit with something and get uncomfortable and comfortable in that space. Mm-hmm. Where do you feel that your writing is going right now? You mentioned the body and getting grounded in your body. Yeah. Beyond that, or maybe through that, where do you think your writing is going? I just want to get people excited about reading poetry and listening to poetry again. I think that they we hit that, you know, spoken word plateau like in the late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And I think hip-hop has always been going strong. And so I just want to figure out how to tie all those loose ends together. How do we get people to be excited about reading and writing? Even my own students, you know, I want to get them excited. In the, in the land of Twitter age where it's like, you know, you got 140 characters to make me kind of shine. I want them to start thinking about language that pops, thinking about wordplay, thinking about how things play off of each other and how mm-hmm. language can be really, like, it's just a dance, how everything is poetry. And that's, I mean, that's what I want to make sure that. So whatever the facet is, if I'm talking about queerness, if I'm talking about education, if I'm talking about my mother, it doesn't matter. I just want to make sure that it's interesting and connects with an audience. That's always my goal. Even when I'm teaching, I'm looking at the crowd of students and I'm looking, where do I start to see the glazed eyes? And if I'm seeing the glazed eyes, I'm not doing something right. I got to switch it up and figure out how do I reach them. So within that, what do you feel within your writing does that, that is that is pulling in those kids out of that glazed overlook? What is it about your work that you think does that? I try to use really precise language, but I also try to use colloquial language, things that, you know, we can get to because it's things that I use in my everyday language. Mm-hmm. And then I make super quick turns. So, mm-hmm. like, I want all my images to kind of bounce off of each other, and mm-hmm. I don't want anything to sit too long mm-hmm. to get bored where you get kind of trapped in something. So I'm all about those really quick turns and using language to make it pop. So, mm-hmm. you know, literary devices, rhyme schemes, breaking mm-hmm. up rhyme patterns, whatever is going to be interesting to the ear, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm looking for. And as long as the images kind of relate mm-hmm. and the images are blending together into some kind of cohesive theme, then I'm going to run with it. <laughs> you obviously spend a lot of time thinking about how does this sound? Mm-hmm. 
Where does that process fit within your editing? Is it uh, saying it out loud while you're writing? Is it saying it out loud once you feel like it's done? Is it I say it out loud and then I go back? Where does that process flow for you? That's a great question. And I really hone these skills in my MFA program because mm-hmm. my professors would be like, what is this? <laughs> and I would be like, I don't know, just whatever came out of my brain. And they're like, so now go back and f- do something with it, fix mm-hmm. it, put it into something other than a stream of consciousness. So mm-hmm. I used to operate on like kind of the freestyle flow. Mm-hmm. It's like whatever th- whatever word leads to the next word, leads to the next image, leads to the next thought, let, let my brain take it there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then over time with my professors and being able to really start to trim the fat mm-hmm. and like start getting away from the glitter, which I feel like a lot of my writing was at first, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about hip hop, thinking about stage performances, thinking about spoken word. There's a lot of glitter. There's a lot of glitz and glam that you mm-hmm. get into those writings so that you can get your audience to respond or you can get your audience to feel. Mm-hmm. And when you start to trim that away and get to the actual root of what it is that you're saying, sometimes mm-hmm. you'll find it's really robust and sometimes you'll find that it's trash and it's you really weren't saying jack shit. Mm-hmm. And now it's time to actually go back and think about what was that thread? Let me pull that thread. And what I've started to do now is start to weave different threads together. Would you mind sharing something with us? Yeah, um, this one actually I wrote after the the Parkland shooting in Florida. Um, something interesting to note, just like being in education, I've only worked in Title I schools, and we've gone on lockdown uh, countless numbers of times. Usually our lockdowns are from stray bullets in the community or something that's popping off kind of like down the block or at mm-hmm. a corner store or something like that. Um, so we're never really too worried about mass shooters. We're always worried, though, about like a stray bullet here or there. Mm-hmm. And I was asking my students, so my, a lot of my students were writing personification pieces about guns. And a lot of them were like, we're not really scared of this. And I was like, tell me more about that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, gun violence, I think everybody's pretty scared of. Tell me why you're not. And they're like, well, we don't have any white boys at this school, so we're not really scared of that. And I thought to myself, as 12-year-olds, wow. to be able to assess a social structure like that, mm-hmm. that's kind of intense. And so I wanted to do something around that. So I did an open mic for the kids on the walkout day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is something I just kind of scribbled in the back with them. Um, so this isn't really anything deep. This is just kind of like me absorbing some of the stuff that they were saying, but mm-hmm. also just thinking about m- what my experience is with lockdown. So it's called Love Lockdown. So for those of you that know Kanye, you know that I'm pretty obsessed with him. All right. <laughs> so Love Lockdown. Jiggle the locks on each door from room 103 to 202. Tap, tap, tug, peek. They crouch against the walls under the tables, holding the back of their necks with their palms up. Lights off, we wait. We hear footsteps. We cringe. We clench every muscle. We giggle. We laugh. We don't know what else to do. We exhale in these choppy waves. No surfers this time. Announcement hits the loudspeaker, our hand still clutching our heart with our right hand. But there are no flags to face anymore, and we barely face each other. Maybe this is just another drill. Tell me about the line, we barely face each other. Yeah, I just find that uh, in the land of social media, a lot of my kids get into arguments and get into confrontations about things that could be important subjects. Mm -hmm. But they don't often confront them face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the same thing goes for adults, too. Now, I think that there's a lot of issues, race, class, gender, sexuality, power, religion. There's all these dynamics and intersections that are happening. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're comfortable now to kind of throw out race as a topic. Mm-hmm. But even that, I think people are still kind of walking on eggshells around and don't really know sure. how to directly 
address. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just thinking about, you know, the discourse that's happening in schools, and it's more of, it's less of a conversation and it's more of a lecture. And I think that that's kind of just pervasive in our mm-hmm. culture now. It's like mm-hmm. people are talking, but nobody's really listening. And so mm-hmm. we don't often face each other with these with these conversations. And the thing that I loved about what's happening right now with our, with our young people is that they're like definitely hearing their voices and they're stepping up and they're recognizing that they have a lot of power. And that's always been every movement. I mean, the apartheid movement, civil rights movement, this has always been youth that do it. Mm-hmm. It's just that this particular issue is just so insane. So I don't even know how to address it. Like race, class, gender, sexuality, religion, power, we can have conversation. We know how to have some kind of framework around those conversations. Mm-hmm. Mass shooters, mental health, gun violence. I don't know that we have the language yet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So one thing that I feel that I'm noticing in your writing is there's not just in in your performance of it, but also in the writing, it feels like there's this hard push and then it ends with a hard stop. Like it's like a slam on the brakes. It isn't a gradual breaking. It isn't like a, uh, I don't know, there's, there's this locomotive sort of flow to it and then a hard stop. How do you know when a poem is finished? When I'm done with it, <laughs> uh, being a New Yorker, I'm very, <laughs> very well equipped at knowing when I'm engaged and when I'm over it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's part of it. I think I'm very mindful in my work about not being subtle mm-hmm. and about not trying to wrap things up happy at the end. Mm-hmm. I think I'm very aware of that mm-hmm. to the point where my professors would be like, okay, Danielle, now try a little bit, try a little <laughs> subtlety. Okay. <laughs> Can you stop saying fucking bitch so much? <laughs> try a little subtlety. Um so I'm I'm trying to get a little less heavy-handed, but they're definitely intentional. I want it to feel like a smack. I want mm. that sting to kind of linger for mm-hmm. a little bit, even if it's just for a second. Because I think that, that sometimes we forget to feel. Yeah. <laughs> so that's important. Yeah. What other questions do you think your poems answer or ask? I think it definitely answers the question of why art. I think that people that hear my work and people that experience my work recognize the passion that I have, and I think it links them to whatever their passion is. And Mm. that's something that's really important for me. Mm. That's something that's really important for me in working in schools, too, is like it's not just math and science and English. What is your passion? What is the thing that when you're done with your 9 to 5, what is the thing that when you're done talking to your mom, what is the thing that still links you to being alive? What is the thing that still keeps you awake that's not connected to another person? that thing, that whatever it is, it could be anything. And people see for me that it's poetry, and I think it's very translatable for them that it can be anything. It doesn't have to be poetry. And so I think that's the question that it answers and the question that it asks is like, what is your passion? How do you live that? Now we'll hear a selection from Danielle's live reading. Uh, This is called Mixtape Volume 2, Licentious, a.k.a. Bitches Stay Pressed. Um, But Licentious just sounds a little fancier, so I go with that one. Um, And I want to start with saying um, shout-out to Childish Gambino, because this is America, so don't catch us slipping up, and look what we whipping up, because this is America. All right. She love that I say what I feel. She feel what I say, because it's real. You couldn't regret I never changed up my set and only make calls to collect. That's why we connect. We could go half on a jet. Baby, we on to the next. Fuck all the stress. Mary Posa. 
Once upon a time, there was a small girl who always headed up the front of the line in her class in size order. In the bathroom, carved the word bitch into the stall with a compass thick. With the same compass, carved the name into the corner of her desk of the pretty and smart foreign girl in her class who sometimes shared her lunch with her. The same girl who later licked her mouth in the same bathroom stall where the word bitch was scrawled and stood behind her on the lunch line and traced words down her back in code. She said, do you really love me? I tell her only partly. I only love poems and my mama, I'm sorry. My storia. Slurp the water from the hydrant spraying out of a double open soup can and project it over the monkey bars. Splashing hyper-colored shirts into orange and pink acid wash jeans. Scrunched up around emerging calf muscles. Hanging off of silver pegs on dirt bikes. Street lights flick on as the dinner call. Mom placing the needle on a record. Pasta with homemade sauce from a spot in the backyard with a glass of whole milk and a washed out jelly jar. Watching TV on a cinder block. Baby powdered sheets as our AC. Pops weed smoke sneaking under my bedroom door. I scribble with gel pens. The sticky summers of collecting cicada skins and writing my name in smashed lightning bug butts. They never questioned when I pulled cargo shorts out of my brother's drawer to sag just enough to see my little pony panties. I'm a half product of sidewalks and processed foods, falling asleep to mom reading where the sidewalk ends. Poems to tell nanny that I missed her and she should have never smoked cigarettes anyway. So they let me throw a letter tied to a rock into the sky for hours just trying to reach heaven. My guy pretty like a girl, and she got fight stories to tell. I see on both sides like Chanel, see on both sides like Chanel. Box. A second glance on the ID to see the F where the M should be, she hands it back to me. Staring at the boobs that never plumped under my V-neck, we all have balls of some kind. Even that boy behind me with the soft hair and the long jaw, he knows, he catches my throw. Excuse me, sir, they say a little too often, so I search the front of my pants for the sprouting dick, but the surface just sinks inward even though I water it every day because that's the kind of guy I am. <laughs> And I repeat this, every Saturday I put on my boy walk and fruit flavor my sweet talk and hold firm in the size small for that one with the laugh, the giggle, the soft, the hard, I jello and remold for the weekday. A little boy tugs and asks, are you a boy or a girl? And I respond with yes. Yeah. And he scratches, I exhale and clench jaw tight, wear clothes tighter, let my hair down the next day because that's the kind of girl I am. Swimming laps through pool water, heated like I'm underworld. Hide my tattoos in Shibuya. Police think I'm of the underworld. 12 treat a bitch like she 12. How you looking up to me and talking down? Can't you see that I am the big man? God level, I am the I am. Midtown Tunnel. How many times can one drive this zombie to the windowless apartment and still believe that one has achieved the dream? about how books have been written about it, numbing between these glasses of wine, crouching by the computer on the cliff of fearful wind. Sooner or later, one should tap the daylight for safety. One should air out these devices, these lungs no virgin pink, papers and jeans never washed stiff, on top of avenues and blocks and just tower, more than a skyscraper. Who did you draft to your team? When you pushed against the crowd, do you notice the faces? This home court advantage of cypher orchids that line the project buildings on the waterfront. You forgot to guard the rook and they had been waiting to crawl under the doors when the stove turned on. Those same faces from the crowd. Every rent check sent, I chase your legs in circles till I collapse on your painted toes peekaboo. Let me pick the cotton orchids and rip the labels off before I hand them to you from behind my back where my fingers are still crossed, tucked behind the skirt curve of my spine. How positive we were that things would be okay when the bees froze on the petal, but the sun rose in violet and defrosted those parts we never wanted but never forgot. 
But you can't just diss and come tell, man, sorry. You can't listen to me talk and go tell my story. It don't work like that when you love somebody. My old flex is my new flex now and we're working on it. Nefertiti. I see her on Montgomery Street corner and I untouch her elbow gently. She unclicks the button and unblocks me, unclicks, unfollows, my hand unhits her cheek. Red unstings our faces, she puts my pieces back together to then take them apart again and again. She unkisses me, we unfight over sushi, words unravel from lips backwards into face, swallow. Unsitting in our shared couch, passing the clip back and forth into the jar and in an uncut cigar. Unhearing Frank Ocean and undirtying the dishes on the coffee table in her lap and Oahu, sand unframing our heated bodies, repacking our unpacked boxes and picture frames. Unmeeting at a house party in my apartment in Harlem on 125th on Halloween. A lion in Tim's and a Ninja Turtle with a snapback. She unfollowed me into the bedroom. I unmet her and all these men still cat called to and from the subway with her dark lips unpainted, now nude, without me just ungraduating high school. Blood under her fingernails from her last suspension, last suspension, last suspension, now unburned and unthrown out by her mom and her ex, all of her childhood pictures and letters that were unwritten in juvie being silent just before unstealing that cell phone. Fog skies before starting work at Louis Vuitton, before Jehovah door to door in middle school with mom and dad, before cracking open from jumping on the bed and cleaning the carpet with her head full of stitches. Unlearned kissing boys in class, breasts retreated back into her flesh, all black attire. Her uncle untouching her in those same places. She unlearned how to count and read and tie her shoes. She is just a kid with chubby cheeks but still noticeable curves. Undoing her smile as a toddler, finally unseen color pushed through her mother unborn, unruling the kingdom in her organless crypt of clay pots and cat souls just pacing for the rebirth. Big sun coming strong through the motel blinds. Wake up to your girl, for now let's call her Cleopatra, Cleopatra. I'll watch you fix your hair, then put your panties on in the mirror. Cleopatra, then your six inch heels catch her. She's headed to the pyramid. She's working at the pyramid tonight. Nah. And the black girl doesn't have to absorb the pain, and the black girl doesn't have to absorb the pain. I said, the black girl doesn't have to absorb the pain. See, she doesn't get suspended and expelled like he does. But at least they pay him attention, pay his way through ball, through Mike, through noticing. She is just the kickstand of the hood, of her family, and of him. And yeah, sometimes she fights, but sometimes she doesn't, because sometimes her hands are all that hears and sees to speak. And the black girl doesn't get ignored, get forgotten, get told shush, quieter please, and the black girl doesn't get raped or sexualized, her vagina doesn't get jarred for some museum somewhere, and the black girl doesn't bury anybody, and the black girl doesn't bury anybody, and she doesn't absorb the pain, and she doesn't, and she doesn't, but fuck, she does. Oh. Crooked cop, dead cop, how much dope can you push to me? Crooked cop, dead cop. No good for community. Fucking pig get shot. 300 men will search for me. My brother get pop. And don't no one hear the sound. And don't no one hear the rounds. Body count. How many women have I splayed across bar, bathroom stalls, twin cartoon sheets, bent over, open to me, closed back after 2, 14, 32, and we're on the up and up. And I take the flowers that they willingly give to place in a jar, showcase its daily progress with murder, pluck to dry, crack, splinter, dust. I'm not worthy of their gifts, but I snatch them anyway. Catch myself thinking if they thinking of me, because sometimes I'm thinking of them, but I am an unreliable narrator in my own story. Because I am Alice, I'm in Wonderland. Where's the rabbit? He is late again. Goodness gracious, I can't wait for him. Who has got the time? Round and round and round and round we go. It's just like the same scenario. Good for nothing. Feels like something ain't right. Crushed. Alice asked, how long is forever? 
The rabbit, swirling in white fur, replied, sometimes just one second. That's poppin', said Alice. It's poppin' the way your eyes meet mine, crosshairs on a sight to eyes, to drop to toes, then skies. I caught those eyes, and I placed them in my front pocket next to the stick of gum, half, and a chapstick, but you never came back to get them. It's poppin' when your hand brushes mine, tips massage oils the seconds. It's poppin' when your lips graze mine, vanilla strawberry gloss whiskey coated the sides of my mouth and cheek, chicken grease markings. Smear clear inside boxer briefs, inside cervix, in between guts. It's poppin' until the tail stops wagging and the treats stop being placed on the tip of my nose because the toy is soiled and spit. I try to pry open the box that you left behind with a found stick with myself with nails, splinter into and crisp incisions. The inside is filled with containers, empty Tupperware, canvas, and plastic bags that are all crumpled and smashed. All that you left behind I can't hold anything inside of. So I plunge headfirst into the hole and I have been falling ever since. Pimping in my convos, bubbles in my champagne, let it be some jazz playing, top floor motel suite, twisting my cigar, floor model TV with the VCR, got rubies in my damn chain, whip ain't got no gas tank, but it still got wood grain, got your girl working for me, hit the strip and my bills pay, that keep my bills paid, car model, she asked me if the whip was foreign, Japanese, but you gotta roll your own windows up and lock your doors. Don't forget when we're too high like we are on the edge of this hot tub, pants off, shirt on, a third of her head shaved and her dread tips dyed blonde. Her name could have been Crystal or Mercedes, she couldn't have remembered. Those seemingly ghetto college girls just confused her. Here we only strut on the weekend of every other, add red lobster on the gram, by the gram, for the gram, but on regular Tuesdays we don't always eat at the table and the walls are still wild thin, cardboard themed even, and lights don't always stay on all month. But those new Air Maxes, they're sitting outside the door waiting to be buzzed in. After I rotate my tires in her throat, I say, it's nice to meet you, Alexis, but I'm not sure where my fam is from exactly, and I don't have a safe word. Sink full of dishes, pacing in the kitchen, cocaine for breakfast. Yikes, bed full of women, flip on a tripod, little red light on, shooting. I'm feeling like Stanley Kubrick, this is some visionary shit. Been trying to film pleasure with my eyes wide shut, but it keeps on moving. I blame it on the Sims for lesbians. I make up three lives for my girlfriend to figure out. The first, I'm drinking a Tecate with lemon that I squeezed in from my friend's tree because I read on the internet that it stops cancer. Each piece of pulp, a woman, horned plus bucking plus pink, she bucks pink, and horned between my ribs. The second, my mother finds a hole that I've dug in the backyard for a pool. I was squatting face up in the hail, shovel and green street light, a dirt infection plus safe for a moment I am reddening, then desert, then beach, then bitch slap tsunami. The first plus this one is the most manipulative. I'm just an engineer facing stage for Kanye, flashing lights. Most girls in class wanna reach in my khakis, graze my genitals just for a moment to see how they may slip and slide in theirs before heading to Zoloff plus the white wine. I want my girlfriend to know that I'm the Zoloff plus the wine plus the dig, plus the juice. I want her to choke just below the head to scare off the demons, plus to let the water dry off autistic wings, cage wispy rib. I wanna wash my face and bother to see what's there without the blunt, without the phone call to my mother. And I don't really care about rules. I just really care about you. I'm enjoying staring into your eyes when I'm on with it with you. They can choose to watch, but I'd rather they just listen. Could fill up an album with everything that they're missing. They so superficial, don't understand how we chilling. We don't need a lot, we got us and that's why we winning. To them, it's a park bench, us a magic carpet. Little trips to Target, turn to avant-garde shit. Faggots dream in blood glitter. I bag chicks like groceries, but in Cali, bags ain't free no more. <laughs> 
Like, turn your chick to yellow M&Ms, how my nuts inside her. Like, turn your chick to Damascus, the way she blowing me up. Like, scored highest on the Kinsey scale. Like, pussy as a portal. Like, I crawled underneath her skin, the skin sheet over my androgyny. Hide both lips, confused by dicks, draped and dwelled inside her perimeters. Let me in, please let me stay. And don't die because I'm still fighting to love you properly with bare fists, still always healing with crust, retorn baby pink to sear and scar, any legacy in legs we tangle and spread and ignore. The place between being gay and being straight, just being, human being, just doing, human doing, human fucking and loving. Dyke bitch faggot meaning I dream of you, meaning I've longed to touch you. Dyke bitch faggot meaning can I have this dance? Meaning her parents actually show up to the wedding. Meaning that they don't watch us while we hold hands on the train. Dyke bitch faggot meaning without disease. Meaning still beautiful but dead. And today we are without exit wounds. Thank you. Sound Pages is a Jack Straw production. The 2018 curator of this program is Damon Arundel. This episode of Sound Pages was produced by Alyssa Keen and Daniel Gunther. Recording engineers are Ayesha Ubiatilaka, Daniel Gunther, and Joel Maddox. Narrator is Alyssa Keen, and executive director of Jackstraw Cultural Center is Joan Rabinowitz. Theme music by Amy Rubin and Don Clement, produced through the Jackstraw Artist Support Program. The Jack Straw Writers Program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, the Washington State Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, Arts Fund, and individual contributors. Special thanks to Larry Lawrence. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.